Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me as always is the lovely, the secretive, the espionage Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you doing this week? I was going to say I'm in a celebratory mood. Oh, you are? Why is that? Oh, because on February 16th, even though the news just broke yesterday, mm-hmm. one Nicolas Cage. Oh my god, I already forgot. <laughs> married his fifth wife. Un- real unbelievable I got some you got some deets or, or should we save the deet we'll we'll do a, a peri- give me the the top line data here um his fifth wife's name is rico shibata she is 26 years old rico rico shibata she what is a name that's such a great name japanese okay they got married at a small uh las vegas ceremony and sense. they had a small reception, including Nick's ex-wife, Alice Kim, who he's still very close with. Really? They they stayed cordial. Why? Did we ever determine why? They, I mean, we probably talked about it, why they ended it. There's, I mean, <laughs> it was mutual. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. It's, it's really It's just his hair, probably. <laughs> his jawline. His <laughs> pock marks. <laughs> his working schedule because he didn't pay the IRS or something. Well, while we're celebrating and doing the chicken dance during this podcast and celebrating as you would at any wedding, doing the electric slide, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just trying to <laughs> think. I also, I worked this weekend, like mm-hmm. 6 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm I'm not really here this weekend, but I'm here for you, the listener, and I'm going to give you my, my all. We watched a movie called Snowden. It's about Edward Snowden. Nicholas Cage plays one of his professors. He's in three scenes. He's in three scenes. <laughs> He's barely in the movie. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the background information that Hannah will relay in a moment, and then we'll go into this movie, Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. That won't take very long. Uh, decent movie, I think, overall, but we'll get into some thoughts towards the end and then some Nick Cage awards. Sounds good. How's, how's that for laying it all out for new listeners? For new listeners, it sounds good, but I think that we should probably explain a little bit of the plot of this movie first. All we said is that it's about Edward Snowden, but we didn't explain who he is. Okay, so Edward Snowden (laughs) was the guy who he worked for the NSA, the National Security... And the CIA. And the CIA. He was a whistleblower. Yes, I was about to say those words. Some may say traitor. Wow. Some may say whistleblower. It's like... It's very divisive (laughs) in the United States. And I think importantly, we're not going to... Share our political. opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. Fine. But he was the whistleblower for all of that, and then he had to essentially flee to a foreign country where he's been living, presumably yes. for a long time now. He lives in Russia. And he still I, lives in Russia. I have some facts. Interesting. Okay. This is a Nicolas Cage podcast, so we're going to focus on Nicolas Cage. We <laughs> but are. But we do have to do our due diligence and talk a little bit about. The background on this movie. We usually start with some numbers, some facts and figures. We do. Well, the movie was two hours and 15 minutes. Too That's long. a number that I usually don't share, but too I long. thought that it was way too long. Too long. Too much. Some more numbers. 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. I think fair, fair. for this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's reasonable for this movie. I think so too. 
unfortunately didn't do so well financially. Um, adds up. This movie had a budget of forty million and it only made thirty seven point three million at the box office. So they lost money. Oof. Yeah, that's not great. No. That's actually kind of surprising that they didn't really make that much. You would think, I don't know, it was three years after all all of the things about Edward Snowden came out and were on the news. You would think it would still be kind of top of mind, but it you wasn't. You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. The critics generally find this movie to be unfavorable. Really? Yeah, people didn't really like this. You know... I looked up something, which I may be stealing something from you, because I was curious about the director, Oliver Stone, and he directed the World Trade Center movie. That was... Uh, Steve, I have like two Nick Cage facts for this segment of the podcast, and that was one of them. I'm sorry. So what am I supposed to say now? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I doubt Continue. <laughs> anyway, I just think that there are a lot of similarities between these two movies in the sense that maybe it's not exactly what the public expects of oh, of a retelling of what actually like, happened really bold of oliver stone to continue to do these types of films yeah and you know looking tackling at it, like huge political issues yeah and he's he's made a lot of movies along those lines like he was the producer maybe the director on the jfk movie right yes and a few others that are like political thrillers mm -hmm. based on real life but i think one of the things that struck us about world trade center was a lot of the movie focused on the you know, Nick Nicholas Cage, who was trapped under a bunch of rubble and really couldn't do much for most of the movie. And it wasn't, I, you know, it's weird to make a movie about something like that. And I think similarly, it's sort of weird to make a movie about something so divisive like Edward Snowden. And maybe I don't think the, I don't think that the fact that it's a divisive topic is weird. I think that the way they went about it was weird because mm -hmm. Edward Snowden had a very eccentric personality mm. and i don't think that that i thought that he was a very average man in this movie mm -hmm. and i think that they could have done more to i don't know make him tr well i don't know i one of one of the facts that i have is that so joseph gordon levitt plays edward Snowden. i don't think we mentioned that yet i don't think we have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um Edward Snowden's real parents attended a screening in the film and they really praised Joseph Gordon-Levitt's portrayal of their son. Oh. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt has remarked that as being one of the most like significant pieces of whatever. Acting? No, he's just done? like encouragement, meaningful encouragement oh. that he's ever received. Okay, yeah. I so, mean, who knows Who knows better than yeah, the parents so, of the subject? Yeah. But I'm just saying like that's what the critics are saying. They're saying like they didn't, that he just was very blah. Mm. But if their own, if his own yeah. parents said that he was portraying it true to form, right? then who's to say? And you don't always get that in movies based on people in real life because... No, no. Yeah, sometimes people, because movies have it's to dramatize creative, things. Creative liberty, yeah. yeah. Which they definitely did in this movie, but we won't talk about some scenes. But there's a scene towards the end where he he like loses a microchip and it's like oh my god what's he gonna do mm -hmm. there's no way that happened no, in real life <laughs> and then also i think we talked about it during the movie where some of the the questions that the like reporters were asking him were very rudimentary mm. and i think i turned to you and i was like okay like if you're a if you're a reporter or if you're you know a documentary maker or, or whatever the topic was you know and, and you're asking these types of questions like Shouldn't you already know the answer? 
And then you said it's a way to ex- like provide exposition for the audience. So yeah. that makes sense. It's a movie. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of those things where it's like, we got to call in the big guns. We got to call in the world's best journalist. And then it's like, we're good. The journalist's like, what is the internet? <laughs> uh, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> what is the internet? I almost did a Nick Cage voice there. Nick Cage does yeah. not play a journalist. No, Anyhow. Doesn't. All right. Some more facts about this movie. Please. So Oliver Stone met Edward Snowden in Moscow three times before deciding to make the film. Wow. So he made sure that Edward Snowden was okay with it. I think that if you watch the movie, you can tell that the bias is 100% in Snowden's direction. Yeah, for sure. And Oliver Stone, you can clearly tell how he how he feels about the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt ended up donating his entire salary to help facilitate conversations about relationships between technology and democracy. Okay. So you know how Joseph Gordon-Levitt feels about the matter. Sure. I think everyone who made this movie is pro-Edward Snowden, and I think that's really obvious from mm. from watching it. Mm-hmm. Any other facts you've got, Han? I've, I've, <laughs> a few. <laughs> oh, what do you got? So, he, so Oliver uh, Stone visited Edward in moscow he goes by ed i'll just call him ed you know we're we're good friends the boy our boy ed um he visited snowden in moscow prior to the movie and then he visited him right after filming wrapped um to show some work in progress cuts of the film to snowden to make sure that he felt cool you know yeah felt good about it that's great it's a movie about his life so well we can get into it later i don't think there's really much to get into but there is a scene at the end where it transitions from joseph gordon levitt into edward snowden yeah ed 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 and eddie ed ed and eddie but with edward snowden (laughs) nope Um, i'm gonna lie down (laughs) i hope we leave this in (laughs) i'm cutting this nope Ed, Ed, and Edward Snowden. <laughs> They're always after jawbreakers. <laughs> you remember that cartoon? Yeah, I remember it. It's not funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, okay. It's it's all right. I'm sweating now. It's okay, big boy. <laughs> okay. What were you going to say? Don't remember. Not important. <laughs> all right, moving on. <laughs> I've slept um, like five hours in the past 72. It's yeah, all good. It's okay. <laughs> you t- you just lay there. I'll, I'll do my job here. You do it. And then you only have to talk about three scenes Thank and God. then we can be done. Thank and God. And then you can go to sleep. Let's do it. All right. Um, to make sure that the screenplay wouldn't be hacked or leaked, Oliver mm. Stone wrote it on a single computer with no internet. Wow. Interesting. The whole script. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like second guessing everything I'm about to say. Please share. Do you, I mean, didn't this movie kind of teach us that that not if your computer is cons- not connected to the internet? They can't connect it remotely. I guess not. No, not if you take the like the switch out or whatever it's called it's just a whole bunch of switches in there. <laughs> just open up your laptop it's just a series of switches that's it's that's what it's called oh it a is, circuit it is, it switch. Is. you would know wouldn't you <laughs> i'm like making fun of the actual expert in the room i'm not an expert at all yeah someone but... probably listened down there like no it's not you moron 
<laughs> I don't know about like a personal computer. I just know about like a server. Ah. Okay, moving on. Steve loves it when there are original songs in these oh movies. Oh my god, I do. And there is an original song. Tell me it was by Weston Cage. It was not by Weston Cage, but it was by an artist that you and I both enjoy. And I could not tell that it was him singing. The song is called The Veil. And if you listen to it, it basically just tells you the entire story, similar to how Suburban Nightmare tells yeah. you the story of Amos and Andrew. The, the chorus is like, whistleblower, whistleblower. Yeah. Like, that's literally the song. Anyhow. So by that impression, can anyone tell who sings this? Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Edward Snowden. It's gospel singer. Love it. Love is it, it Seal? It is not Seal. It <laughs> we- is Peter Gabriel. fucking nailed it and he was nominated for a grammy and lost to can't stop the feeling from the trolls movie (laughs) well that's a great song (laughs) i know you love that song (laughs) i don't blame the grammys um so we can add that to the list of original songs that are huge hits from (laughs) nicholas cage movies ghost rider 2 had one Oh Amos God, and Andrew had that. one, as previously mentioned. Of course. And then, I don't want the world to see me. Bye. Just one. Just, oh, no. Is that Iris? the song? Iris by Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls. And that was from one of the Angel movies. Yeah. <laughs> Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. that Nick was in that one. <laughs> yeah. For sure. No, it was Angels in America. Nope. City yeah, of Nick Angels. Was in that one, too. City of yeah, Angels. City of Angels. <sighs> Good we job, Steve. You did it. Christ, I'm dying. Um, a few more facts and then yeah. we'll just get on to your part. And Let's I'm very it. curious how that's going to go. Can't wait. Judging by this situation over here. Yeah. Um, Edward Snowden is a permanent resident of Russia as of 2020. Oh, So very okay. recently he got his permanent residency and he and Lindsay Mills, who is played by um, Shailene Woodley in this movie. It was actually supposed to be Margot Robbie, but she had some scheduling conflicts. Mm. Yeah. When they showed the real people at the end i could see margot robbie looks a little bit more more like than shailene, woodley. shailene woodley. i thought shailene woodley was good oh yeah they're both great actors Actresses. um and they just had actors fine it works for both men yeah and yeah it's like when people call comedians a female comedians a, a comedian. comedian it's like do you have the comedian it's fine. No, it, yeah we're good <laughs> it's fine lawyeress <laughs> a doctress <laughs> Dr. Ella. Dr. Ella. Ooh. Dr. Ella. Anyway, they had a baby in 2020. Shailene Woodley? (laughs) Yeah, Shailene Woodley and Joseph Gordon Levitt. (laughs) No, uh, Edward Snowden and Lindsay Mills had a baby in 2020. Wow. That's nice, I guess. Yeah. Just just throwing some facts out there for you. Love it. Now, moving on to Nicolas Cage. Finally. Since that's what this podcast is all about, that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve already spoiled it, but Oliver Stone also directed the World Trade Center, and yes. Nick Cage took this uh, small role in this movie, like we said, he's in three scenes, to curry a favor with his friend Oliver Stone. You wouldn't know it was a small role by the <laughs> opening credits. The opening credits are like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Shailene Woodley, and Nicholas and Nicholas motherfucking Cage. Pew, 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 pew. None of that happens, but he's last billed like he's the most senior actor on set when you've got some pretty heavy hitters in this movie. Yeah. You've got Scott Eastwood, who we thought was just a poor man's Chris Evans, but it's just Scott Eastwood. (laughs) 
<laughs> we got that guy who's a poor man's Tom Hardy. Oh, he's for sure a poor man's Tom Hardy. You if ever you've seen... ever seen Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming. <laughs> he's the Tom Hardy guy. <laughs> uh, Lakeith Stanfield, though, he's a legit actor. He's he's up and coming at this point. Oh, from I'm um, sure. Sorry for Bothering You. Sorry for Bothering You and Get Out, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, who else? Timothy Oliphant shows up in this? Oh, yeah, Zachary yeah. Quinto? You're like, what's of, up? A lot of big names, yeah. but Nick, Nick Cage is the biggest of all and, those names. And all, every single one of those people has more screen time than Nicolas Cage. Uh, they all, like, I think all of them have at least double the screen time as Nicolas Cage. Yeah, incredible. Um, and then I think that uh, one of our favorite things to talk about is Nicolas Cage's awards. And I don't know why I said that. I'm just trying to like segue this. Wait, he got a Razzie nomination for this for movie. For this? Yeah, for worst supporting actor, and he lost to Jesse Eisenberg in Batman versus Superman. Well, good. That movie's <laughs> trash. Jesse Eisenberg single handedly ruins that movie. Well, he won. Fucking right, he did. That's that makes. But Nick Cage was nominated for that's the unfair. three scenes that he's in. That's that's uh, that's for the. That's meme. really not fair. It's yeah, that, for that's meme. just for the memes. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> What a terrible Lex Luthor. Who cast him as Lex Luthor? Zach I've Snyder. never seen it, Steve. Don't don't waste your time. I've seen the one scene where the Superman's mustache is Oh no, that's just CGI'd off. Oh my bad. Then i I have not seen it. You're better off staring at a blank wall for like <laughs> triple the amount of time than watching Batman versus Superman or Justice League. Am I better off watching some of our low ranked movies in this no, podcast? No. I'd rather yeah. I should watch Batman versus Superman over like yeah. the boy in blue. Yeah, I mean, I think staring at a blank wall is somewhere halfway through our list. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling me that I should watch a Christmas Carol over Batman versus no. Superman? No, I'm saying it goes somewhere in the realm of from worst to best. It's Christmas Carol staring at a blank wall, Batman versus Superman. It's, you know. Got it. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all she's got. All right, folks. I'm going to sit up straight. <laughs> and I'm going to deliver you the news. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so the movie, I usually say, the movie opens up on blah, blah, blah. On Nicolas Cage. And it doesn't. He shows up a few minutes in where Joseph Gordon-Levitt shows up at The Hill, which is the training site for CIA recruits. Yeah, after he's been dismissed from the army because he broke his leg. Oh, yeah. It got, like, obliterated. Mm. Yes. Real bad. Real bad. He had three pins, and they looked painful. Real gross stuff. So, yeah, that's how he got his start in government work. Yeah, he wanted to serve his country. He went, yep. Yeah. He never went to college. He never went to. He never finished high school. I think he went right. to community college. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so he shows up at the Hill, and he's looking for his classroom where he's supposed to go, and he gets a little lost wanders into Nicolas Cage's office. As you do. As you do. Where Nicolas Cage is working on some old Cold War era spy technology, encryption, code encryption technology, and he's got all these antiques in his room. He's he's Ben Gates. <laughs> he's just Ben Gates again. He's wearing sweater vests like Ben Gates. Oh, that's a really unflattering look on him. Yeah. It makes him look probably 30 pounds heavier than he is. Yeah, he doesn't look great in this movie. He, he's got that thinning hair that's like just far too long for a man his age. He's got like sideburns that come down, which is probably appropriate to who he actually was in I real couldn't life. find a picture of the actual oh, really? guy. I know. Something Forrester? Hank. I don't know. Hank Forrester. So 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes in and he immediately knows what everything is. He was like, oh my God, is that a codex ring decipherer? And Nick Cage is like, yeah, how did you know that? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, so what's your role? Are you an engineer? And Nick Cage says something along the lines of, no, I'm just here to babysit you kids. Make sure you don't do any drugs or alcohol. And he's like, well, I don't do that. He's like, well, what's your poison? He's like, well, computers. And then Nick Cage drops this line. Oh, that's not You've come to the right little whorehouse. So there's that right off the bat. And we're like, oh, we're in for a treat with this movie. And a few scenes later. (laughs) Nick Cage. A few scenes later. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's still in his training. He's 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 in Nick Cage's office now. And they're just chatting about life. And Nick Cage, first, hands him an old photograph. He goes, you know what, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Edward Snowden? You remind me of me when I was your... I'm sorry. You remind me of me when I was your yeah, age. Thank you. Please. And he hands him a photograph of his graduating class. And oh my God, Han. Well, you have to look. make you have to make that if you can find it. You have to make that the Instagram picture Ooh, for this week. Okay, if I can find it. Sometimes these really it. specific ones are hard to find. And whenever you do a screenshot on your phone or something on Netflix, oh, it's gonna get all... it blacks it out. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. So this movie is on Netflix, by the way. If you do want to oh, watch yeah. it, it's like a, like we said, it's kind of interesting. We can talk more generally about it later. But the Nicolas Cage, <laughs> he's got these giant black frame. Well, okay. Glasses. First of all, they de-aged him. So for the did photo. they de-age him or did they or just did they photoshop just an, old, an picture old picture of him? And he's got these And then they probably bangs. photoshopped the... He has like these micro bangs where... <laughs> you think it was the Caesar when the Caesar was in style because Clooney? Oh nah. man, yeah. Nah, it would have been way before then. Like if... Unless they de-aged him. But yeah, it was just those little bit of bangs across the top that men used to do in the early 2000s. I had it. Oh my God. <laughs> that children used to have in the early 2000s. Fair. But he wasn't a child in this picture. He was he a was, graduate of. Yeah, in his 20s. Yeah. Yeah. He had these huge glasses, these little mini micro bangs. And he it, looked scrawny and just like a big fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that aside, Joseph Gordon Levitt and Nick Cage are talking, Edward Snowden and these two real people who are not the actors. <laughs> yeah. They're talking. And this scene is a little bit of exposition in the sense that we find out that Nicolas Cage's character, or this person in real life, not sure if it's true or not, we didn't look it up, and I'm not really going to, but what we find out is that Nicolas Cage developed this program that could do massive searches for potential threats against the United States in both public and private information, but it had automated filters in it so that you wouldn't breach anybody's privacy. It would only be for those terrorist attacks and that kind of thing. So he brought that idea and this invention to the U.S. government, said it's going to cost $3 million to make this. They said no. And then they turn around a few weeks, months, whatever later, and they buy a very similar product for $4 billion that doesn't have those safeguards. So that's sort of where we're off and running, and I'm sure you can figure out what happens throughout the rest of the movie. So the other professor... Is played by Reese Ivins. Ivins is yeah. that how you say it? Ivins or Ivins, yeah. Okay. He's the lizard in Spider Man, bringing it back to Spider Man always. In the bad Spider Man movies with Andrew Garfield, those. yeah, I haven't seen those. I was like lizard, like Willem yeah. Dafoe's friends. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would be friends with Willem Dafoe. So, 
I would say that his character is kind of, and it's just interesting because like these are two of Nick Cage's mentors, like kind of father figures. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Sorry, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt, Edward Snowden's. Yes. <laughs> um, they're kind of like the antithetical like foils, I mm-hmm. guess, of each other, mm-hmm. you would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost along the lines of like, what if Edward Snowden were 30, 40 years older? He'd be on one of these paths of these two individuals. He'd either be that, you know, quote unquote whistleblower. And then he'd be essentially what Nick Cage says is that once, you know, they found out what he was trying to do and he complained that they didn't have these security safeguards, they made him essentially babysit new recruits and shoved him in a dinky dinky office. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt could be that if he was a few years earlier, um, or he could be, you know, training people. He could be this well-respected person in re-siphons. I think it's a little bit of a glimpse into his future. I think that's the purpose of Nick Cage's character, at least. Yeah, I agree. And also to show that he kind of had like the angel devil Mm -hmm. on his shoulders. Right. Even though the angel's never there and the devil is in like a hundred more scenes (laughs) than the angel. Quote unquote devil. Because yeah, yeah, depending on how you, you know, how you think about this. Right. And all of this stuff is dramatized, like we said, and it's all alleged and all that stuff too, so. There hasn't been a trial or anything for him. No. Yeah. It's because he's extradited. He's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I I think I think that the movie would have been more powerful if they brought Nick back more. Like if they had, mm. you know, Nick in a similar role as Reese. Right. Right. Like someone to be, you're right, like on the other shoulder. Right. And, to, and almost guiding him in this is what the right thing to do is. And, At least, and like that's him. one of my problems with the movie. Like he, I mean, good. I don't want to say good on him. I'm trying not to express my well. The way they about this. the way they position it in the movie is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Edward Snowden overcame a lot to do what he felt was right. Yes. So you know, if you want to make a movie about that then you look at that protagonist and by the end of the movie, you should say good for him or good for her because they overcame everything to do what they think is right, even though it cost them a lot. Right. But this movie just happens to be based on people that exist in real life. Right. And I think that his decision to be a whistleblower was kind of abbreviated in the film. Like the decision, like the, the I'm going to do this, Oh, okay. It happened so quickly. It really did. You didn't really see him kind of battling yeah. that for very long. We got like 20 minutes of him training in the army before he broke his leg. Yeah. And we got like five minutes of him deciding to make this major decision to give up his life. But actually. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think that the movie would have benefited from more Nicolas Cage is really what I'm trying to say. This movie would have benefited if Nicolas Cage played Edward Snowden. <laughs> Just inexplicably 40 years older. Or if they made this movie before the whole Snowden situation happened back in the 80s when Nick Cage was the right age. If they just made this movie and predicted it and predicted that this was going to happen. Could happen. But again, it's sort of similar to like World Trade Center in the sense that Oliver Stone wanted to make a movie about finding light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened to be about World Trade Center, which or 9-11, which still has a lot of dark feelings connected to it so it's really hard to find that light and yeah he's trying to make a movie about someone overcoming great losses to to do what's right but it just so happens to be something that you know 
people hold a lot of darkness towards or people right. hold a lot of uh, opinions Negative on, I guess. feelings or whatever. Yeah, I thought another really interesting theme of this movie, I'm not sure if you caught this, was this idea of reflections. So there are a lot of scenes that Oliver Stone does where you are looking almost in like the the camera's a close up of Edward Snowden's glasses uh, their, his, or the television yeah. or like a mirror or something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a 100% sure what that's meant to represent, but I thought it was kind of an interesting way to do it. I mean, it ma- it made me think a lot at least. Yeah, I, his glasses were also a very defining characteristic of him. Mhm. Yeah, so Edward Snowden is epi- is epilep- epileptic. Right. And so his first epileptic seizure he his glasses fog up because he's making pasta so like that's probably not what really happened but uh, oliver stone wanted him to be making pasta to have an excuse to make his glasses fog because if he can see through the glass or or something if that's his message he sees through things to to see what things truly are or something yeah, like that yeah or i mean like his brain is becoming foggy or his brain's becoming foggy yeah seizure right or because he's having a seizure he's he's getting fogged and because and that's kind of he that's what he said too he stopped taking his medication because he didn't want he needs to be sharp for his job right right so anyway after nick after joseph gordon levitt snags a rubik's cube which is a big player in this movie is rubik's cubes from From nick cage's Cage's office office, two and a half hours of movie and curse (laughs) and then joseph gordon levitt does what he does he he's the whistleblower he goes to the press what have you and he's all over the news and nicholas cage have we even explained what he's blowing the whistle on oh no (laughs) i figure people know because it was in the news but but essentially what at least is portrayed in the movie is that against people's will or knowledge that the united states government was surveilling hacking into or surveilling um, things like cameras and microphones and private messages without their knowledge. So that's part uh, of yeah. the reason that a lot of people to this day, understandably, don't trust. Not that they don't trust the government, but that they will put like a piece of tape over their cameras. Oh, yeah. You know, so there's that. So, <laughs> so that's told over two hours. Yes. <laughs> then when Edward Snowden's on the news, they pan to all the people that have been in his life they see Resiphons gets a call i think there might even be somebody else getting arrested and then they go to nick cage and he's sitting in his lazy boy with a cigarette in one hand and a, Bud- making him and dinner. a budweiser in the other he's got a wife who's never been introduced <laughs> she's slaving away at dinner and he's sitting in presumably a low-rent house because there's wood paneling on the walls and he goes you did it will get you the kid did it and credits. No, I'm kidding. There's like another 15 minutes of movie yeah. um, about what's happening in real life. And like I said, there's that transition between the real Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the real, and then the real Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fake and the real. I, I just have a question for you. Like, for me? Yeah. If you, this is difficult because you don't work for the government. But I if do not. you did work for one of these government bodies, whatever they're called departments oh agencies <laughs> agencies yes <Yeah. laughs> goodness i thought i was the one on like three hours sleep <laughs> i'm like not i can't can barely keep my eyes open right now um nothing jazzes you up like talking about nick cage i'm back in it baby <laughs> well i was just trying to get all jazzed up in the beginning when i mentioned that i was trying to celebrate his wedding and then you told me that i'm like convicted of espionage <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I really threw you a curveball there. <laughs> what was I even going to say? If I worked oh, for yeah, the government like agencies. If, yeah, if you worked for one of these government agencies. like one of, the, one of the things I don't really understand is Snowden is out of, like, he'll, he'll leave one and then he'll go back and then he'll leave and then he'll come back. He'll leave and then yeah. come back. And it's like, if you have all these moral compass dilemmas... If you're having some type of ethical questioning as to whether your job is right or wrong, why do you keep coming back to it? Yeah, and it's... Is it so that you can eventually blow the whistle? I think I think in his last job, that was part of it, at least. Again, this is all what's portrayed in the movie. Right, that's fair. So I think that was part of it for his last job mm-hmm. um, or towards the end of the movie. But I think throughout the rest of the movie, I mean, we saw that... He was really excited about the Obama inauguration, thinking that things would be different. So he went back to work. And then, oh, yeah, that's fair. And then it wasn't the same. So he moved back home. And then he was like, well, I need money and I need a job. And and another part but, of the I reason was... I mean, he's was, so talented with computers. Like, I'm sure he would he be find, paid yeah. more if he worked for like a <laughs> private organization instead yeah. of a public organization. Yeah. But then again, I mean, again, what we saw in the movie was that he felt like he knew too much. And he would turn his face away from any camera for like years Mm -hmm. and his wife or or his now wife i guess is a photographer (laughs) which puts a bit of a strain on your relationship so and again this is all just what's portrayed in the movie but you know i think they do a good job of explaining why he goes back and forth and back and forth i think you know there's there's reasons there and i think part of it is that maybe he hopes that the government can change and then if they can't then I need to get all of the information I can because people need to know about this. That's, all right. That makes his, sense to yeah. me. Yeah. So that's his whole motivation, I think. But uh, that's going to do it for the movie. And yeah, politics this one, chat. Yeah, this one was tough because there's not enough Nicolas Cage. Oh, there's just nothing. Um, and then there's too much rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So... I know earlier I was like, ooh, that's a really good closing thought question. I'm going to ask Hannah, and now I can't remember it. So do you have any other closing thoughts before we move on to our Nicolas Cage Awards, which are going to be pretty sparse? No, I wish that I was able to find a picture of what Hank Forrester looks like, because I would love to know if he also had mutton chops. Mm. Hank Forrester, if you're listening, send (laughs) us a selfie. (laughs) but predated to 20 yes from from five years ago yeah so yeah nick cage awards best supporting actor i think we have to give it to joseph gordon levitt that's the only other person he's in the scene with it could be his wife could be his unnamed wife mrs forrester presumably no joseph all right Best dressed. Is it that uh, nice sweater vest from the beginning? Or is it... Oh, in the photograph. Probably the photograph. It's in the photograph. Uh, That half a second that we saw this picture that we just belabored at this point. Brilliant. Brilliant (laughs) filmmaking. Worst Nick Cage scenes. The last one. He did it. The kid did it. Uh, The best Nick Cage scene. The first first (laughs) you've come to the right little whorehouse yeah yeah that's a good one uh there were no screams Mm -mm. he sort of loudly i guess says the kid did it but that's not really a scream i don't think we can no rightfully give it to that one 
And then the last is the most nouveau shamanic moment. What was the most quintessential Nick Cage moment? I, I don't even know if there was one. I mean, I feel like quintessential Nick Cage at this point, because he's done two of the movies, is being Benjamin Gates. So the fact mm. that he was also Benjamin Gates <laughs> in this movie seems very quintessentially Nicolas Cage. He, he just loves playing a code cracker. Yes. Somebody who can just crack the code that nobody else can. And like speak in jargon and metaphors <laughs> and speak in metaphors and then speak in jargon that's like specific to whatever his career is like yes. he just really enjoys sounding like he knows what he's talking about yeah yeah he like if he played a doctor or yeah something, he, he would, would he love would eat that shit say, up to say the medical terms <laughs> he would lap that up he would like scream medical terms <laughs> be like tuberculosis and it's like <laughs> Listen, Nick, docs don't really scream when they get a diagnosis. Can you imagine Nick Cage's house as Dr. House? I think that'd actually be kind of good. I think so, too. <laughs> God bless Let's do a Hugh Laurie. Yeah, right? Nick Cage. Amazing. Well, I think that's going to do it, Han. Where are we ranking this one? He was not it's really so in it It's so hard because he's not in it and mm-hmm. the movie was fine. So it reminds me of, I think we have, for the movies he's not really in, we have them back to back to back. Grindhouse, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and Never on Tuesday. Personally, I think Never on Tuesday is it's more better. fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is, it's this is a, like I said, it's a Fast good movie. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is there, not because of Nick Cage's performance, but because the movie as a whole. Right. And then Grindhouse is because of Nick Cage's performance, and then never on Tuesdays because of Nick Cage's performance yeah. that it's that high right. on the rank. Right. Put it right below it. All right. So What's below, what is after there? A rumblefish. And and so that's right at 50. Yeah. Make it between rumblefish and never on Tuesday. Never on Tuesday. All right. So that's going to put it at 51, actually. Apologies. Oh, excuse you. Yeah, please. <laughs> so, Han, next week. Oh, no. Is it something that we don't know? Yeah, we're doing. We're getting into like <laughs> ten more movies that oh, we've never heard of. No, 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 no. It is called USS Indianapolis Men of Courage. No, it's not. You're lying to me. I am not lying to you. It has a seventeen on Rotten oh Tomatoes. <laughs> no. We had a nice little Do reprieve. Do you think that it's actually filmed in New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's not filmed in Indianapolis because the the poster is him on a ship. So it's the name of a ship is USS Indianapolis. You're telling me there's no great body of water in Indianapolis. Not that I'm aware of. There might be a large pool somewhere. Is uh, that not on the lake? Indianapolis? What lake? No, it's landlocked, is it not? Is it? Goodness. Oh, I thought it was further north. Oh, I'm just thinking of, I'm literally just thinking of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not anywhere near the Great Lakes, really. I was truly just thinking that it was where chicago is and then chicago was a little bit further up Nah, <laughs> the twin cities of indianapolis and chicago <laughs> yeah damn i'm stupid <laughs> <laughs> you're not stupid i didn't really know either i didn't know well enough to tell you otherwise wow the midwest is a wasteland <laughs> ouch <laughs> We have listeners in the Midwest. Apologies. The next movie that we've heard of, I guess. Mom and Dad. Is Mom and Dad. And I'm that's looking forward to that. One, two, three, four, like five movies from now. 
All right. Well, what are the ones in between? So it goes USS Indianapolis, then Army of One. I've kind of heard of that. Okay. Arsenal. <laughs> Never heard of that Vengeance one. a Love Story. Nope. Inconceivable. No. And then Mom and Dad. Do we think Inconceivable is also taken? Oh, probably. <laughs> Any of these one-word titles that, you know. Stolen. <laughs> yeah, and it has Nicolas Cage and two attractive women on the poster. <laughs> it's like one of them's going to get taken. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. Damn. I, I, or do you have any? I had a, things my to say? my brilliant question popped back into my head what and then I it? lost it. Should we hold a second so that you can try and remember it? Yeah. Hang what on. was it pertaining to? I have no idea. The movie. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> was it about Julian Assange? No. Might not have been this question, but I do have another question for you. We can cut this out, but when do you want to do March Madness? Not this week because it's your birthday. And en- end of March? Yeah, we can. Like the last oh, yeah. podcast in March we do, March Madness? Okay, I like that. So if you have been listening for a while, you would know that last year we did a March Madness competition for ranking the best Nick Cage scenes, mm-hmm. I believe is the one that yes. we did, right? Yep. Not mm-hmm. screams, scenes. Right. Yep. Um, do we remember which one last competition was it something from Deadfall or was it something from Vampire's Kiss it was either Deadfall or Vampire's Kiss I don't know they went up against each other at the end yeah I don't remember but Steve did Steve did a good job of seeding them yes um so we're gonna we're gonna do that for all of the movies that were not included in that March Madness, which is going to be a lot because this past year was quarantine, and what did we do every weekend? Oh, we watched a Nick Cage movie and we did a podcast because there's nothing else to fucking do. <laughs> Even on holiday weekends, we were like, let's just watch a Nick we Cage movie. We were like, movie. well, J- July Fourth came and went, and we <laughs> didn't do anything because what could we have done? <laughs> July Fourth, Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> New Year's. I think we did one on all of those. July 4th, we did a lot. We, wow. also, made, <laughs> we also made a video. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. It's on our Instagram. Through Nick and Thin, at Through Nick and Thin. So anyway, Han, that's going to do it. If I think of my incredible question, I'll ask you in real life, and we can bring it up on the podcast next, next week. Next week. Sounds yes. good. Okay, fantastic. And always remember, we are here for you through Nick and Thin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Get some sleep. Now, freak out!